You've, you've changed me. I love it. And people have been going out and listening to recordings of other works by Ligeti. So we really wanted to make it even more accessible to the audiences. And, um, and it's such a wonderful piece to dissect because I think it's, it's compositionally quite, what would you say? Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. And um, we, we just adore this piece. And I was interested, when you play, you sort of, as a cellist, you have a little extra height. I do. <laughs> do you want to explain why you have extra height? <laughs> well, it's, it's quite a simple reason, actually. I mean, the, the two violins and the violas choose to play standing up, which maybe one of these guys can answer why in a second. Um, and just logistics. So my eye level is on a par to where these guys are because if their heads are up here and mine's down here... And the music's over and there. And the music's <laughs> over there. The line of communication is quite easily lost, actually, and it just makes everything so much easier for all four of us if I'm more in a height with the other three. And the sound. Yeah, and we the sound as well. the sound more when you're on the same level. Yep. So, um, uh, Stephen, you have been with the Australian Swing Quartet... For well, five years. For five years. Yes. And you play viola. That's right. That's so, right. Can I quickly, just yes. before you ask your question, um, thank you all for coming tonight and apologise that we're not playing, yes. but these beautiful instruments you've been hearing about are actually ancient works of art in a, in a lot of ways. And I think uh, if we ask the art gallery to bring a $2 million painting across or the collective value of more like six or seven... Um, to bring outside and put out here tonight, they probably wouldn't have done it. Um, and it's a similar thing with our instruments. They're, they're very susceptible to changes in humidity, changes in temperature, changes in air pressure. For example, when we take them on aeroplanes, we buy a seat for the cello to travel with us and our instruments go in the cabin baggage, but we would never put them underneath and it's got nothing to do with all the cabin... Uh, to do with all the baggage handlers out there. It's, uh, <laughs> no, it's a change in temperature under there where the suitcases are, you know, going to <laughs> minus 30 degrees and the change in air pressure, the wood expanding and contracting that viciously really harms them over time. And the timber being as old as it is, uh, it's lost a lot of its moisture over time and the instruments themselves are actually very light compared to a modern instrument that has a lot more moisture in it and um, they're, they're just more likely for the seams to open up or something to pop or crack. So apologies for that this evening. But um, when the rain was wafting through sideways, we decided that it wasn't going to happen. Although now very still. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes. It's a typical Melbourne fashion. Always yeah. the way. Always the Although way. even so, like Steve was saying about the temperature... I'm just imagining now you very kindly have brought a heater, which is toasting up my feet nicely. It's lovely. <laughs> but imagining sitting here with the cello, the back of the instrument would be getting the cold air coming in from behind and then the difference in temperature and humidity with the warm air from the heater, which we would need to actually have our fingers warm enough to play, um, that alone is mm. already harming the instrument. Um, so, Stephen, the relationship between four... Um, performers that perform, you are a band or you are a, a <laughs> well, a chamber orchestra. Yep. Um, is that, uh, how did that, how does that, how does it happen? I mean, do you um, seek, uh, do you advertise? Right, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
really, though, there, there is a, there's, there's a little, there's a little <laughs> joke out there about um, seeing an ad in the newspaper, which is um, string quartet seeking two violins and cello. <laughs> 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 That's good. We, it might take a while for that to sink in, but <laughs> yes, um, I've been lucky enough to to play with a few different people in the quartet, and um, this this group that we have have been together for we've been performing together this year, and we were together since about August last year. It was all official, and. Um, you know, we all have threads that are interwoven somewhere back in our past and in that we've all known each other, we've all played with each other before and um, and this has given us a, a sort of a common lineage. Also, the three upper strings um, all had a lot of our founding time in Queensland where they have an incredible public music system of which Dale is an incredible example. Uh, picking up an instrument at school and going through that in the public schools. And um, sorry, Dale, to talk about you when I'm talking about me. My guest. (laughs) Yes, and so, and that's that's where I became a viola player instead of an architect. And um, so, you know, in that way, we have this similar lineage. And I, I knew Dale when he was still at high school and we've crossed paths so many times, both in the United States and back here with the Australian Chamber Orchestra and places like that. And Francesca, when she was uh, formed her own quartet, when she was uh, playing with the Melbourne Symphony and a student at ANAM, um, you know, we worked together at some stages. The music world's very small. Yes. So, so we, we have our ways of knowing who's out there, knowing who's passionate about chamber music. Chamber music is not something to do if you want to be a millionaire. It's something you do if you're passionate about making that sort of music. And the repertoire written for quartets is absolutely outstanding. Symphonies are incredible and some of them are powerful and beautiful and everything, but a lot of composers seem to have... Uh, saved their most intimate and personal works for the string quartet and we we have a limitless supply of repertoire that we can play and uh, we all share that common love and interest in that. Um, apparently there's a, there is a new film out on the Australian string quartet called Highly Strung. Um, none of you seem particularly highly strung. <laughs> why did they call it, why was it titled that? It's a very catchy phrase, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> People like using that a lot, yeah. yeah. Strings t- add a string to yeah, your bow. Yeah. I got no, string, no strings attached. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they're, they're all out there. Um, I think it did work. It, it sold the movie a little bit. But, uh, yes, it's a documentary that, that follows a, a, a small time capsule about two years, two and a half, maybe even three years ago, it, it, it goes back to. So it was interesting to see it again recently and to uh, remember whether that was actually really what happened. It was quite... And so then the documentary surprising. talks about the fact that um, Sharon and yourself were joined by Francesca and Dale. Is that right? It doesn't quite no. get that far. It doesn't quite get that far. Mm. It, okay. it follows the... Um, well, it follows a whole number of threads and one of the one of the threads is us not working particularly well. Not us for another <laughs> no, no, combination. No. This is this is history, and um, yes. So it's obviously very important for you all to get on. Absolutely, chemistry is 
I mean, there's a lot of people out there that can play, but if you share a chemistry and a passion with people together and you love making music together, that's, that's the important thing. And so you're often on the road together? All the time. All the, and yeah. so what's your... That's four-way marriage. It's yeah. a four-way marriage. <laughs> Without the yeah. benefits, they say. <laughs> <laughs> so, Francesca, do you want to tell us about your instrument? Yes, so mine, uh, Sharon's is the oldest and mine is the second oldest. Um, it was made in 1758. Good angle. 1758. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it's where the violin's obviously the only two, vi two um, instruments that are the same instrument in the quartet. And they're very, very, very different. They're worlds apart in terms of their sound. Um, Dale's uh, was... How much older is yours than 1784. mine? 1784. So, like, 30, 30 years, years yeah. older than my violin. Oh, younger than my violin. So, if you think about someone during their life, what's happened in that 30 years or what's happened with their craft, it's changed a lot. So, even though it's the same maker, they're very different voices. Um, but that said, it's a gorgeous instrument and I really adore playing it. It's got a really rich, um, rich, round sound, which... Almost really like a viola. Yeah, <laughs> it is almost. It, it really does, you know, do the trans the transition. Mm. It suits the role of the second violin mm. or violin. Yeah, but <laughs> and Australian chamber, uh, Australian string quartet, um, do a lot of projects in terms of engaging different audiences and performing in very different spaces. Yes. And um, you were brave enough to come out from come out of the concert hall to come to perform in uh, M Pavilion last night. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously part of one of the one of your uh, uh, one of the ideas about what you or what you do with a string quartet. Yeah, I, I think. Well, for, this is something I'm I'm very passionate about taking our our craft elsewhere um, because it's. I think a lot of people would love the string quartet who don't yet know what a string quartet is. And I think it's such a, a unique um, way to make music. And um, I th I'm, I'm really, I'm, yeah, <laughs> we're all, this whole, uh, group of us are very much about engagement and, um, and education and, you know, just talking and getting, you know, inviting audiences to clap whenever they want and things like that, just trying to open, open it up for whoever. Because um, in the 18th century, chamber music was usually performed in a private house, I yeah. suppose. Or yeah. A, um, and it's it's my favourite way to listen to a quartet, even though you don't have you know the beautiful concert hall or something. It's there's it's a very different thing sitting in a, a little room and hearing every every sound that comes out and people breathing before they play and all those sorts of um, little minute details that you don't that don't necessarily come across um, in a different setting. And, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's magic, really. And so what are the, some of the unusual places that you've performed? Or mm. favourite places? Huh. Mm. I'm not sure now that you're putting me on the spot. Don't, don't you recall the gin distillery? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a few weeks ago. <laughs> Maybe Wineries. there's a reason I don't remember. <laughs> the theme here. They all, all involve alcohol. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, they kind of go hand in hand. It's, you know, <laughs> music and food and friends and wine. It's. But wouldn't you say our favourite place to perform, and I think we're safe to say it because we're here in Melbourne, yeah. is the Melbourne Recital Centre. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful hall. 
Um, Do you want to say why? <laughs> Me? Oh, well, it's it's it is just the most beautiful space to play in in, in Australia, and it it gives you back when you play a note. You can it kind of gives something back to you when you're playing. So there are some places where you play and it's very dry or or you just don't feel comfortable. You don't. Oops, sorry, I'm gesticulating a little much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it does. It it ha- just has a very nice feeling. You can I can hear Sharon clear as a as anything as though she's right next to me, even though she's over there. It's, it's a combination of things, but it's um, it's a beautiful hall, and, and you can play so quietly. Yeah, and it's so clear at the very back of the hall. I think the first time I ever went in in there as a student, um, I heard the Tokyo String Quartet, and we got free tickets, so we we're sitting right up the back very back row of the very well, of the balcony and I could hear when one of them turned their page you had this <laughs> I was like this is awesome it was almost like being in a, in a living room but exactly you're yeah. ages away yeah, yeah. it's a gorgeous place yeah. also interesting trivia fact about the Melbourne Recital <laughs> Centre is that the entire building is on built on top of giant springs so all of the rumblings that you get in the middle of the city of the trams going past, for example, it's all on one giant, well, a few giant spring shock absorbers. So it's utterly silent inside there. Yeah, it's like, it's like playing with another instrument. We've got our instruments, but we're inside another instrument and using it. And, and it, it brings out things in us that other halls don't. So it's a favourite. And, mm-hmm. and Dale, you joined uh, Australian String Quartet this year. This year, Franny and I both joined uh, this, this year. So we're um, we're the babies of the quartet. Um, but uh, what does that make us? Veterans. <laughs> 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 what have you want to be, Steve? <laughs> and so, Dale, you were based in America, is that right? Um, well, actually, yes. I was in um, in the United States for eleven years, and then Canada for for seven. I was in Vancouver for the most uh, for the seven most recent years, mm-hmm. and uh, these guys brought me back to Australia. And you combine your time, or you you also work with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra as choir yes. master? Concert master. <laughs> Close. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. You'd be great choir master. I've never tried uh, oh, choir directing, you, but... What uh, would the difference be? <laughs> <laughs> so as a concert master, what yes, do you do? concert master. So um, I'm the lead violinist of the Melbourne Symphony. Um, I'm one of two concert masters, actually. <coughs> Excuse me. My hay fever's <coughs> playing up. Um, Have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um... So there's two of us, and uh, we each split the season. Um, and so I play 16 weeks He's a year. Emotional. You can hear the, the timbre of my voice. <laughs> He's a very emotional choir master. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the lead violinist is essentially the, the link between the conductor and the rest of the orchestra. So, so it is the lead violinist's job to, um, to really um, ensure that the orchestra is unified in their approach to playing, particularly the string section. So I work very closely with the string section to make sure we're all matching our bowings and doing the same kinds of um, articulations and creating the same kind of sound um, and very much working closely with the conductor to ensure that they are realising their goals in, um, in sort of the process of p- putting together a, um, a program. Do you want to mention a couple of differences when you're working with us in the way you feel that... Yeah, 
For sure, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because playing in an orchestra, um, you know, obviously dealing with up to 100 people uh, at any given time. So, um, so there, there is very much a, you know, you have to be um, very clear and very demonstrative in the way you lead and the way you play as a concertmaster. Um, whereas in a string quartet, it's so intimate and where it's, you know, we're so close together physically and also after a while um, psychologically that, um, you know, there's just so much that, that we can do without even um, saying and without articulating and without even gesturing because we're basically reading each other's minds. And um, in, a, in an orchestra, <laughs> you have to she be <laughs> you have to be much clearer and much more sort of um, communicative with your ideas because obviously there's a whole lot of people on the stage, and uh, you need to be able to communicate what you're doing to everybody. I remember in the first few weeks of rehearsal, Steve, bless you, um, <laughs> a few times would say to you in rehearsals, "You don't need to lead us in so." Yeah. <laughs> So much. You're in concertmaster mode. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. And I'm still, I think, learning that because I've been in an orchestra for so long and uh, playing in a quartet is such a different experience. Um, But it's so wonderful and I feel like I've had a musical reawakening being in a string quartet and joining a string quartet because uh, it is um, so meaningful what we do and, and I feel like I'm... Uh, playing in a different way than I do in an orchestra as well. And that's a big part of it because we all have our own individual voices as opposed to being a string player in an orchestra where you're one of many uh, in a quartet. You you create your own sound and you have your own voice and uh, and it just gives you so much, such a wider palette uh, from which to draw. Fabulous. Perhaps it might... might be useful at this point if anyone had any questions um we're an intimate group so there's a microphone going around if anyone would like to ask any questions this one here you've spoken beautifully about uh, it's working good you've spoken beautifully about the personal relationships within a quartet but we also know there are examples of chamber groups who have stayed together despite less than beautiful personal relationships uh, to the extent of not travelling on the same plane and all that kind of thing. What about the musical relationship? Can you talk a little bit about about that and whether or not you could have such a musical relationship with each other that it might not even matter whether you liked each other personally? Luckily, we haven't got there yet. (laughs) (laughs) But yet there are actually many famous examples of of quartets that do have dysfunctional personal relationships, but they somehow manage to make it work. Mm. Um, And it's not ideal because we we are, whether we like it or not, spending a lot of time with each other and travelling to together even if we're not <laughs> always on the same plane um uh but but yes i think that um at the end of the day um we all have to be able to separate um what we do in the quartet from who we are as people and that can be very difficult as musicians because the music is who we are as well on monday night was it yeah. uh, we started with a 
with Mozart's very last string quartet, uh, which then led to Ligeti. So Mozart's work was obviously written towards the end of the 18, 1800s and Ligeti written in 1953-54 and uh, very different times. They were both very experimental pieces and so they had that in common. Um, it's funny though, when we came up with that program, that was our it just fell together really beautifully yeah. and we said we couldn't imagine a better program actually <laughs> and we didn't that that one had the least discussion of, of that everything. That was a unanimous we, one yeah. really wasn't it that took yeah. all of about three minutes yeah. over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, where, yeah where Mozart was taking quartets I mean Ligeti was using very similar I mean Mozart would start with a theme and develop that theme and then he'd change it by using a different key and then there'd be a second subject, that type of thing. Whereas Ligeti was starting with a set of intervals and then he'd change that by stretching those sets of intervals and, and going through the similar sort of classical thinking but using a different language, if you like. And so there was that. And then to finish with the Ravel, it just happens to be something that's one of... For us, the most amazing pieces of chamber music written, and again, very forward-thinking, and it just fitted beautifully in our minds. So, and the rehearsal period—how long does that take? We tried to slot in bits, in particular, of the Ligeti through um, through several processes earlier. So, I guess that was about a two-month rehearsal period for that piece. Um, before any, we we take our programs around the country each time we perform them. So to the capital cities. And um, we, we always block out a minimum of a two-week period before that where, where we come together and rehearse. Um, we've all had the music at home and been working on our own parts, of course, and developing our own ideas. We know the scores. We might listen to other recordings. We all have different ways of preparing. So we come together prepared. And um, There's a saying that, you know, rehearsing is not to learn your own part, but to learn everyone else's part that you're playing with. I like that. Good. <laughs> Can I just uh, chime in here um, and say that our quartet is particularly unique. I'm, I'm taking a slightly new direction here. Uh, forgive me. Um, but we're very unique in the fact that we have an amazing team um, that work with us. Uh, we're not just for musicians playing concerts. We, um, we have a, a staff, a management, I suppose, of, of four people. Um, our executive director is actually here tonight, Angelina Zuko, <laughs> and we have a, um, an operations manager. We have a, um, a manager of development and fundraising, and we have a marketing uh, uh, manager as well. And, and so we're really quite unusual in, in the quartet world because most quartets are sort of, um, well, they often have to do all the work themselves, all the planning and all the, the publicity, or they have um, an a, what we call an, an agent. Have a management. Um, yeah. And particularly in North America and Europe, um, most quartets have, have a, a sort of a manager or an agent. Um, but, but we're very fortunate and we have a wonderful um, board of directors uh, made up of, I forget how many are on it now. It's changing. <laughs> Nine currently. Nine. Yeah, so we have a wonderful board of directors who are extremely supportive and very passionate 
about what we do. And, and so it's not just like it's the four of us getting together and planning our lives. Um, <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a whole other layer of, of management and organisation behind what we do. And they have full-time jobs, the management, yep. you know. We'll get emails at 1am in the morning from management. It's around-the-clock work for them. Yeah, but it, uh, but it ultimately um, makes our jobs so much easier because we um, you know, can focus on the music-making and the artistic um, side of things as opposed to worrying about, um, you know... Booking <laughs> um, flights. Booking flights <laughs> and planning Venues. all the, the, those sort of minute details. Yeah. Great. So, are there, would anyone else like to ask any questions about um, Quartet? Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's been very interesting uh, hearing you, you talk. Um, I'm interested, I mean, you've achieved like a, almost a peak body status, so I'm interested in what it's like being where you are and looking back on the journey to get there. And I'm also interested to know um, what sort of things you might do with you know, young musicians or kids or you know, aspiring people in the industry. Um, yeah. Well, we're, I think I'm going to let Franny talk about the children because you're, that's <laughs> children. your passion, <laughs> you know, education. Um, looking, looking back on where we were, I suppose Steve and I have been the quartet longest. He's been in ASQ for five years. I've been in ASQ for three and a bit years. Um, and within that time, we uh, needed to find two new violinists. Um, it's a really weird feeling at the time we were it it takes a long time to find two people that you're um going to be compatible with both musically and also sharing a car together and being on the road and all of that um and we took all of last year to try out many different violinists um for each performance that we did and I remember thinking at the start of last year, oh my gosh, this is going to be the longest year and how are we going to how are we going to keep our audiences happy when there's literally half a quartet that they're used to seeing? It's just going to are we going to survive this? It seemed like the longest year I've ever experienced. But now it's it almost seems like a blur. It seems like a funny sort of dream that happened last year and Funnily enough, the audiences still came. They were still supportive. We lost some, but they've come back with a vengeance this year. Um, it, it's really been an amazing journey. And I think for me and perhaps Steve as well, it's made us um, even more grateful to be the four that we are now. Um, it's, we don't take anything for granted now. So that's that aspect to your question, I hope. And as for education... <laughs> Um, well, I, I often think about um, when I was growing up and I knew I was going to be a violinist, but I didn't know what to do, <laughs> if that makes sense. There's no sort of guide to how to, how to be a performer. And, I, you know, I didn't know anything really. And all, all you know is that you practice and that's about it. So um, I've always had a string quartet since I was 12 years old. I've had, you know, just different string quartets growing up. And I didn't know what that, you know, what that really meant or and the, my last string quartet before I joined the ASQ um, we were trying to 
you know, become a professional string quartet and we did competitions and things. And it's, it's quite hard if you don't know, if you don't know people or you don't know what to do or where to go or who to speak to or how to even get a concert, you know, you're bursting for opportunities. And I think that's what um, we're very keen on trying to help up and coming quartets because it's, it is hard to know, to know what to do. Um, and, you know, for younger children also, we've, we've done a lot of regional touring and as well as um, uh, um, cities as well. And, and if at the end of the, the week, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of kids who have a great time, then that's, that's great. But if there's one, one kid who goes, I really want to be a, a performer or something and, and you, you know, we strongly urge everyone to stay in touch with us, get in touch with us on Facebook, just opening um, some communication and just accessibility because I would have loved to have known grown-up me <laughs> back when I was little because I just had, I was bursting with questions and I just didn't know how to get answers. So I think that's the start of, of, um, of trying, to, trying to help to, you know, fu the future of classical music is just sort of opening it up. Yeah. We try and, um, like Franny was saying, make ourselves as accessible as possible because one thing to swan into a city and play at the Melbourne Recital Centre and then fly out the next morning, um, but we, we're more and more these days we're making sure that we'll give a masterclass at the whatever the local university is at the time, a chamber music masterclass. Um, sometimes we teach individually students that approach us and it, it's lovely that I've noticed even in the last year students of all ages are starting to realise that, hey, they're not that scary. I might just send them an email to see what I get out of it and they are more and more. Um, so we're really trying to um, spend slightly longer in each city and also each regional area rather than going out to Mount Gambia for one day to take one masterclass. We'll stay there for two nights and work with not just the um, student chamber orchestra but also an adult amateur orchestra as well that's often made up of the string teachers of that town as well. So then they get, hopefully, inspired and get some ideas that then they can take back to their classrooms. So it's we really try and not just target a particular age group or level but Whoever wants us, really, <laughs> we're there for the <laughs> taking. And can we hear more of Australian String Quartet? Is there a CD? A new CD? Pending. Pending. <laughs> <laughs> and what about online? Do you put your... Do you do a lot of work online in terms of your recordings or performances? We're going to be doing more and more digital work. And uh, we actually had a really interesting meeting with a group here this morning um, who we're hoping to be doing some uh, collaborative work with next year and onwards. Um, so yes, we are doing, we're going into the recording studio with Slava Gugorian, the uh, wonderful guitarist, mm -hmm. and actually our producer <laughs> sitting here tonight, Stephen <laughs> Snellerman from the ABC, we're very happy to have. And uh, that's something that we're going to be recording, some new guitar quintets. And also uh, we're recording, we're starting an anthology of early Australian string quartets, which is a really fascinating project. There are a lot of quartets out there that were written in the 1800s and early part of last century that aren't, aren't being heard. They're, they're locked up in the back of a library somewhere. And so we're, we're going to be recording them as a, as a project to 
you know, recreate the Australian history of the string quartet and get that out there. And then we're also very keen to be getting our own recordings out of pieces that will be starting in December and doing more next year and hopefully getting a CD within, I guess, the next 18 months, you could say, of, of just the string quartet. Yeah. And your next performance in Melbourne? Our next performance in Melbourne is actually on the t- 9th, 10th, 10th of December at uh, the Ian Potter Museum down at the university and uh, we're going to be playing one of these early works by Charles Edward Horsley from 1862. um, It is the earliest existing string quartet in Australian string quartet history. So that'll be amazing to play that and uh, we're going to pair that with um, various different works. Great. Well, I think probably um, you've been very generous with your time and um, on behalf of everyone, we'd like to thank the Australian String Quartet, Sharon, Stephen, Francesca and Dale for joining us here this evening and I'm sure they'll stay around and have a drink and can ask, you can ask them a few more questions about Absolutely. all the secrets. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> thank you very well, much. Thank you for moderating. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs>